Wonderful. A wonderful morning. Thank you, Diane, for that testimony. It was wonderful to hear that uh, no matter what age we are, God can still touch us and speak to us and set us free. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Matthew chapter 16 from verse 21. This is kind of an intro to what I want to do as a series over the next few weeks. But from verse 21, it says, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, that this, this shall not happen to you. And he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. The story is that Peter just had a revelation given to him by God of who Jesus was. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. But he reverted to natural thinking when it came to how that worked out. God had showed him that this is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But his thought was that he's going to establish a kingdom in the political realm. And God's plan was that he was going to actually go to Jerusalem and suffer and die as a substitutionary sacrifice for sin. So Peter had a revelation, but he reverted to natural thinking. As I was thinking about this, it made me realize we need an ongoing revelation and enlightenment of not only just who Jesus is, but God's plan and how that works out in our life. We can't revert to human thinking. As we were praying this last week, uh, Mary had just a picture from a, a scripture in Revelation about God giving salve, a salve that uh, heals eyes so that we can see things God's way. With that in mind, I want to take a look at the church. What is God's plan? Not man's. A friend of mine said, if you love Jesus, you'll love his church. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start there, but before we do, let's pray. Lord, we do simply ask that you would give us revelation, ongoing, that we would see things the way you see things. Lord, where we've had something else, would you make us aware? Lord, would you set us free from the things taught and spoken by men that were not in line with what you're saying and with what you do. Father, personally, but in our image of your church as well. Amen. Ephesians chapter five, from verse 25, says this, husbands love your wives. We could just stop there, I could get sidetracked. But it says love your wives Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he, might that he might sanctify and cleanse her 
with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Interesting that Jesus is sanctifying his bride by the washing of water by the word, what he says. Just a thought for husbands loving your wives like Christ loved the church. How you speak can be cleansing and healing or it can be detrimental, which was part of what Diane shared, the things that spoken over her. The words we have can be life or death. And we can speak health and healing and cleansing. Just an aside, but it goes on that that he might present her a glorious church. I want to start here because this picture is of love. He loved the church and gave himself for her. It's a preface to Revelation 19 and verse 7 says, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. That picture of a glorious church, a bride of Christ, is a preface to the end of the book, which is this wonderful feast, marriage supper, for the bride has made herself ready. It's kind of the picture of a bride prepared for the the wedding. Those of you who got married know this. Those who haven't, you've seen it on TV. But get the hair done just right. Spend hours. The uh, makeup just right. The dress. Everything perfect for this thing. That's the picture of a bride that has made herself ready without spot or blemish. In fact, the Bible uses the term glorious. A glorious church. That's what I want to entitle this series, A Glorious Church. The problem is many don't see it that way. Many of us don't see the church as glorious. We often see it as a mix of kingdom and world. We see it uh, maybe full of men's thinking Unfortunately, many people get hurt and withdraw I was that way at one point. I've told you the story, but I'm going to tell you again because not all of you have heard it. 1977, I was working with a uh, parachurch organization. We were doing two weeks of training in Chicago. While we were there, we were there for two weekends and they told us, the organizers of this, and there were about 200 people from across the nation that we were all going to go to this uh, church on the second weekend we were there that they said was the best church in Chicago. And uh, so we had a free weekend, and we had broken up into small teams of seven, and one of the guys in my team actually lived in Chicago, so he invited us to go to his church. And we went to his church, and uh, it was just absolutely in love with Jesus. The worship was fantastic. Uh, it was just the word. It was, was wonderful. Uh, in fact, one of the ladies, just so welcoming, invited all seven of us to her house for lunch. It was absolutely amazing, but I kept thinking, but next week 
is the best church. As much as that church was fantastic, I kept thinking of something better. So, so I get up the next week and I'm ready. I'm excited. I was up early. We go to church and to say I was disappointed is an understatement. It was a church that had big wooden pews with really high backs and really high sides that separated you from everyone else. And the pastor went up a little spiral stair to a, a preaching podium as, as if it were here, it'd be almost up to the roof, and didn't even talk about the Bible. And there wasn't, there was a couple of old hymns, but they weren't about Jesus, and it was, there was no warmth, there was, and we walked out afterwards, and I was just angry. America, we have an uh, expression, spitting nails. This is terrible. I'm, and I walked off across the parking lot, and I'm just railing, the church is stupid, and you know, I, the people are ridiculous, and why do we even do this? And, and I was just upset. <laughs> and into that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. One of the first times in my life. And Jesus said, yes, but she's my bride and I love her. And I just began to weep. One, because I realized it was his bride. Two, because of my, what I had been saying about his bride. And it just, it broke me the whole day. I could not eat. I cried the whole day. And God did something in my heart. This is his church that he loves. Back to Matthew 16. Verse 16. Simon Peter, uh, verse 15. Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I will say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, rock isn't Peter, the rock is the revelation of Jesus, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus is building his church a glorious church. And I believe that something that the Holy Spirit is doing in the world today is a new emphasis that is restoring a biblical view of church. For the last couple of years, the focus has been a reset and focus on Jesus around the world in churches. But there's something happening as well, not to take the focus off of Jesus, but add to that his church. Seems that there has been a lot of, unfortunately, redefining of church, a lot of men's thinking, a lot of stuff that the Holy Spirit has got to bring some correction, some cleansing, some some changing, and we get to be part of that. Now, let me say this. 
I'm going to state the obvious. That preparing or restoring starts with a focus on Jesus. I'm going to state the obvious in case you haven't got it. If this is your first time here, maybe you haven't heard, but Jesus is the head of the church. He's the bridegroom. He's the one who loves the church and gave himself for her. I want to say this. Only when he is the focus can we be the glorious church. His church in love with him. I will build my church when he's the focus. So what is the church? I'm glad you asked. Why are we talking about this? Because we have a lot of people from different backgrounds. There's a lot of stuff being communicated uh, via the internet and other things about the church. We need to go back to what is the authority, which is God's word. It's not man's thinking. Verse 18, I will build my church. That word Jesus chose is the word ecclesia. Now this is the first time in the gospels that Jesus refers to church. And he chooses a word that literally means a gathering or assembly of people. There's a lot of other words he could have chosen, but he chose this. I want you to get this. This is Jesus' strategy. He's building his church, and this is his description of the church he's building. It's organic. It's people. It's not a building or an organization. How did we get church to mean building? What happened is that in the translation from uh, the original into German, the Germans chose a word, this in the 1400s, 1500s, Kirche, which literally was a building, which became church. And that has carried on, but that was never what Jesus said. It was a gathering of people. It's an organic thing. It's called a body of which we're all parts. It's referred to as a family, a household. All those things is what Jesus intended when he picked that word. But it means a group of people together, not separate. When Jesus said it, there was no concept of this phantom, phantom church that I joined some secret organization. Kind of like the Knights of Columbus. Nobody knows you're a part of that if you're, you know, some secret organization. I joined some secret organization that, no, it actually meant people getting together. Interesting. And that's what Jesus meant. It's a ploy of the enemy to separate and divide. That's not God's plan. So it not only is it this gathering of people, but it's a gathering of very different, diverse people. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says, For we are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 
First, the next one. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Next one. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. God's plan was that there'd be people of different ages, different personalities, different ethnicities, different classes, all one in Christ. They need to understand that. It's only possible in Jesus. A glorious church is only possible in Jesus. Not just focus on Jesus, but in Jesus. There's something as we come to him and die to ourself and fall in love with him that he gives us a love for one another. I was thinking about this this morning. Loving Jesus is easy. He's perfect. Loving you is tougher. <laughs> Loving the body is more difficult because none of us are perfect yet. But this is Jesus' strategy. He brings these people together from different backgrounds and he says, I am so amazing that I can fill you with love that you can love people who are different. You can love people who aren't perfect. Some of you are perfect, but. So much so that this diverse people loving each other is a sign to the unsaved. John 13. And. Nope. John 13, 35 says, by this will all men know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. It doesn't say all men will know that you're my disciples by your love for them. Have you thought about that? That's what it should say. If I were writing the Bible, that's what I would have put in. It actually says Amen, we'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. This diverse, different group of people who can actually love one another like Christ loves the church is a sign to unsaved. Everyone having a part. That was what Andrew shared. Everyone has a part. His plan is that we're participators, not observers. That we all have a part of Jesus' plan. We're going to talk about what that plan is a little bit later in this series. But it's actually this, that we're active, not passive. We're sharing and giving, not consumers. Part in what? Part in worship? We're all worshipers. Part in witness? We're all lights. Part in warfare, we're all prayers. Part in serving, we're all to be like Jesus. What's the church? The church is us. All of us, look around. This is the church. This is Jesus' strategy. 
this glorious church. You guys didn't look around. I said, look around, and you're going, I don't want to look at anyone. This glorious church is light in the darkness, an agent for change in the world. A city on a hill. This glorious church is the pillar and ground of truth. I preached a couple of weeks ago about spiritual warfare in a Western context, which is standing firm for truth in the midst of the uh, lies of our culture. This glorious church is a carrier of the presence of God. Jesus says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You personally and we together. Think about that. The carrier of the presence of God to a hurting world is sitting right here. Sometimes we have this idea that God's just going to pour out his spirit somewhere, sometime, and there's going to be revival, and the wind of God is going to blow, and God said, I already have. It's sitting right here. But our image becomes something else. This glorious church is God's strategy to bring redemption to the world. Salvation, the gospel has been preached a few weeks back. But not just salvation, transformation. God's plan is that through this church that carries his presence, we will actually not only be transformed within ourselves, but we will be transformers of society. We will be yeast that will infect the whole lump of dough and will transform society. Let me tell you, there is no hope for the world outside of Jesus. But Jesus chooses to manifest himself through this group of people. (laughs) Lord, you got a plan B? (laughs) You sure this is the best idea? Transformation of our thinking in the world. One last scripture. In 1 Thessalonians. Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica says, verse 7, so that you became examples or models. So verse 6, you've become followers of our Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you become examples or models to all of the Macedonia and Achaia. Who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. God's plan is a church that's a model. Being his glorious church, we will have an impact in the community. We will invade the marketplace and we will strengthen other churches. We're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. That's God's plan. That's God's plan for this church to be an example or a model. So let me ask you, are you part of this?
has God added you to this church? If he has, throw yourself in. All in. Connect with other people. They're your family. They're the household. Don't hold yourself aloof. Don't allow offenses to cause you to withdraw. Get beyond that. Connect, participate. God's plan is not that you're is that you're not just observers, but participants. We'll talk about that in the weeks to come. What do we do? We let the Holy Spirit cleanse us, washing us through the word from human thinking, and then empower us for his purposes, to impact the community, to invade the marketplace, to strengthen other churches. I'm going to ask you if you'd stand. I'm going to ask the uh, team if they'd come back. We're going to do the new song again in just a moment. If you think that God might be adding you here, I want to invite you to come this afternoon to our house. Time for you to ask questions. Time for you to get to know us. They say in the U.S., in every seminary in the U.S., to pastors, becoming pastors, don't ever have people in your home. It's what they teach. Their, their rationale is that they'll see what you're really like and they'll lose respect for you because the uh, model, American model is that you've got to be the top of the pinnacle and you've got to be perfect in everything. We want you to come to our house and find out, get disappointed right up front <laughs> uh, because we're not perfect. They'll marry us. But uh, she puts up with me. As we sing this about focusing on Jesus, I want to invite you, if you're here this morning and you've not met Jesus, we would love to introduce you to him. I'm going to, Dylan and and Chloe, would you help me out here? Just stand up here. They're just a, a point of reference so that as we do this song, if you've not met Jesus, they would love to introduce you to them. Just come. They would pray with you. Uh, Tony and Fiona, would you come help me? Would you stand over here? If you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, if you haven't been empowered, Josiah mentioned as he started to preach last week that he felt like God was saying that there's people who needed a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit. Diane responded to that and said, Lord, that's me. But then we got a different direction and we never actually followed that up. And so if you're here and you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit and God's been speaking to you, come and and Tony and Fiona would love to pray for you. If you just need a touch from God, people around you can pray for you. These guys aren't special. They're just a, a point of contact so you can actually see something rather than just kind of 
wander around. Uh, but let's just sing this as we conclude, just again, that we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. Even though we're talking about his church, if our eyes aren't fixed on Jesus, we can never be a glorious church. Thanks, Matt.